Welcome back to the Loud and Uninformed podcast. On tonight's pod, we talk about the semifinal college football playoff games. They were really great. Um, we also talk about who we think is going to win the Natty. Dive into some NFL football. You can hear my, I don't know how to describe it, rant about the Eagles. Um, so if you're a hater, enjoy that. If you're a fan of the Eagles, you already probably know what's coming. Um, then we also talk about the rest of the playoff picture. Who's going to stop the Niners and Ravens? Uh, Sage advice is Jeffrey Laurie. Enjoy. Really, the Pac-12 was awesome. What's going to happen to Bill Wallen? You separate the art from the artist. Oh, no! You're so transparent. You should never, ever do this to, like, now we're going to have Shaq and Ernie telling you, like, what you should be putting your money. <laughs> guess the honor system isn't good enough for us. It's no, certainly no. not with this group. Oh, and. And, and Sean went to go grab an angry soda. I don't like him. The locker room doesn't like him. Uh, he's just a loser. Well, George does just bring down the ethics of our podcast quite a bit. All of the money oh. is in me looking good. You're listening to the Loud and Uninformed Podcast. How was your New Year's, Skylar? It was good. It was good. It was pretty low key. Um, stuck around the uh, Arlington area. Went to dinner with some friends, and then went to Punchbowl Social. I've heard that place is fun. It's very fun, and there's one in Boston. Like whenever you end up back in DC, we'll have to get you guys out for it because it's just like, uh, you know, it's one of those places that was designed with like keeping somebody with ADHD entertained for the entirety of a bar night. So. <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only bad thing is that they'll charge you for like every single thing along the way i'm like the bowling should be free it's in the name but, right. but between my adhd and the alcohol the money is not a construct so see that's not- the problem for me is that i the adhd stuff is great but i'm incredibly cheap yeah right well, <laughs> you posted skylar uh i think mina's you're coming down to tour pretty soon oh that's awesome we got a couple spots in mind let me know well, when you're down that'll be a blast yeah. My New Year's was a classic. I'm like, years ago, I decided I'm never buying a ticket for anything again. So I'm only do, I would only go out of his house party and my two friends who you guys know one, Minjoan, uh, into a new place in South Philly, and they're like, oh, we know this house party. So we went to this house party, which was fun. It wasn't too big, which was nice, but you know, it's my two childhood friends. So we just got really drunk. <laughs> this was the evening of the Eagles, was it not? Yeah, it was. We all were pretty sad and depressed by the time that we all met at convened at the house at like five. <laughs> I when I saw the conclusion of the game, I was like, man, uh, Philly's going to have a uh, a sad, yeah. drunken New Year's Eve. And let's just say when I was driving to the city, so my parents are a little bit out in the suburbs. The opposite direction is exactly how the Eagles game leaves. It's going north. There was some road rage. Because this was like 4.30, so the game had ended like a half hour prior. And there was some road rage on 676, which is the big cut across the city. Big accident on one side. People were weaving in and out. And you could clearly tell that like 80% of them were wearing Eagles gear coming from the game. Like, it was... Throwing Bud Light cans at each other out the window. Yeah. Um, But Philly loves New Year's. Have you ever heard of the Mummers? I don't know if you guys ever heard of the Mummers. Um, it's a South Philadelphian tradition. So that's like where a lot of the Italians in Philadelphia are from. Um, they all dress up, they literally cross dress, um, and, and have a parade all throughout South Philly, like band and floats and all this stuff. And so 
we went to sleep at like 4 a.m. as you do on New Year's. And I was woken up at 7 a.m. by this giant parade right outside the door. Oh, they do it on the morning of New Year's Day. Yeah. Because oh, what, that's so what, funny. What the mummers do is they just stay up all night, get hammered, and then do the parade. Oh, that's so fun. And um, it's all just like a bunch of like juice, juiced up like Italian uh, guys. Which is kind of funny to say because there was this... There's been a lot of political stuff with the parade in the last couple of years where, you know, a lot of South South Philadelphia and Italian guys, you know, they might have a certain political leaning. But then they're also all across. They're not the guys that you'll typically see at a drag show. And yet they put on the biggest one of the year on an annual basis. Yeah, it's it's a really weird tradition. But um, it's really fun. And the whole city embraces it. So it was kind of fun that. Even though I did get woken up like three hours after falling asleep, it was pretty sick to like look out the window and see them. That's um, cool. I've literally never heard of that before. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. It's ridiculous. Just look up a picture of the mummers. All the listeners look look up a picture of the mummers. Um, I hope I hope all the listeners had a good New Year's. Um, yeah. Do do we want to do just NFL first, or do you want to do college first? Because I mean, I think we can probably. Uh... I think I think college is the biggest thing on the plate, and we like to usually tackle that first, so we can do okay. it. Okay, yeah, that works. Let's just talk college. <laughs> Let's do it. What a fantastic two games! I don't know if the college football playoff committee could have been more vindicated by the matchups that they that they threw out there. Yeah, I'd I mean, like to start with that. I saw a lot of interesting Florida State takes over the weekend, and I'm just curious where your guys' heads are at with all of that, given how good the games were. Can I preference? Let's only do like two minutes on this. I'm so fucking sick and tired. <laughs> Florida State. I think 90% of college football fans were on the side of Florida State. Like, it sucks. You got screwed over. But the bitching and moaning by Danny Cannell and Florida State Give it up. Like everybody was on your side. Now I don't give a shit about you. Now I was like, well, I don't know if you saw that there was a big like like they were taking a victory lap on Alabama losing and basically being like they shouldn't have been there in the first place. And I'm like, losing in overtime in just a hell of a game is not the time to take a victory lap. Yeah. Much less a day after you got absolutely stomped by Georgia. Like you had the chance okay. to claim your national championship. And instead, terrible across the board, and then to even open your mouth after it's so so stupid. They were opening their mouth in the first quarter. Yeah. <laughs> like they were like, oh. it was so dumb. And you know what I gotta say though? Do you hear what Kirby Smart said after the game? Oh. No, I thought it was great. He, he's he's the Georgia head coach for for the listeners that maybe are only NFL inclined. Um and instead of like, there are certain college football coaches out there, which we could all name probably one um, that would, after a victory like that, a stomping, they won 63 to three or something, would take that time to talk about how Georgia deserved to be in the national title game this year. Da, 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 da. And this was proof of that. No, he just took the time and said, nobody on Florida State played. And this game was complete bogus. Like, you got to fix the system. Because it's completely broken. The fact that the winning coach took the time to be like, yeah, this game was a sham. <laughs> but I would argue that Georgia had much less on the line for this game than Florida State did. Because if Florida State could have won, then it really would have been uh, embarrassing for the college football playoff. They could have, and in my opinion, should 
have claimed a national championship. Like you really had a chance to go out there, prove yourselves, shock the world, whatever. Georgia went out and I don't know if you guys watched the broadcast, but they were talking the whole time about how Georgia like attacked this, like they did a playoff game. Like they were incredibly well-prepared and that's why they're Georgia. And the fact that the Florida state guys who I frankly think were scared, I don't think they wanted to show up and get beat bad by Georgia. So they just didn't show up at all. I and that's just like a weak move in my in my book. It's just it's weak all the way around. I think they knew they get slapped around. Yes, a hundred percent. That led to the opt outs. That led to. Yeah, and the whole thing is like Georgia could have done the same thing. Georgia honestly had as good of a case as anybody to get into the college football playoff. It was a weird year. They were you know almost certainly on the outside looking in, but there were a lot of people who were saying if you're going to pick the best four teams, you got to put Georgia in there, and so the attitude of them to like show up prepare like it's a playoff game and then beat the pants off of Florida state is like what you're supposed to do as a football team. And it totally erases the whole idea of like the playoff has ruined the bowl games. It's like, there's something about the attitude of it. That's ruined it because look at Georgia. They took it seriously. They, they played great. And it, you know, they, they won by. They still got what? They still had opt outs as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you guys ever listened to a Kirby Smart speech? Like I try not to. There, no, there are various speeches that have been leaked on YouTube, locker room speeches. Yeah, he's a little aggressive. No, but if you need, if you have something to do and you need to get fired up for it, just throw on one of those. Like the guy, my point is, is that he knows how to motivate people. I mean, he was telling people that uh, he, the team was like, oh, y'all said we were going to go eight and four last year after they won the national championship. It's like, no, you're the best college football team since the 2019 LSU Tigers. Like, nobody said that. But he had been believing that they would do that. So he knows how to get into the minds of the kids and get them to go hard. So, so he's like a real Sean McDermott type is what you're saying. <laughs> Just knows what strings to pull. I think he stays away from the Al-Qaeda references. but. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Yes, yeah. Florida got screwed. Yeah. We get more than two minutes on Florida State. We get it. We get it. We get but it. they Florida. did get screwed, and I understand they're whining, and I get that they've overdone it a little bit. But like, what are you supposed to do? And I know. imagine Florida State, their fan bases, where if that same thing had happened to them, like if that had happened to Tennessee or Ohio State, holy shit, there might actually be another storming of the Capitol like that. <laughs> But there never would be because if you went undefeated and won the SEC or went undefeated and won I'm just the- saying yeah. in, a, in an alternate universe where they were in the ACC, sure happened. But I don't think they'd have the fan base that they currently have if they were a team that's in the ACC. I think I mean a good comparison would be Notre Dame. If Notre Dame went undefeated, their best player got hurt and they missed the playoff. Like that, that's the only other team I think this could really happen to besides an ACC team or a Big Twelve team in a bad year. But like. It's going away anyway. I'm yeah. sorry, Florida State. It sucks. But the 12 teams here, it sucks. Sorry. Well, and I also think, I don't know if we're going to cover this at some point today about the um, about bowl games and kind of how they're not fun anymore and they haven't been since the playoff came around. But we can if we want to, but we should probably actually talk about No, we need to talk about the games. I was just going to say – I was just plenty of time, but what bowl games were fun? Like, what bowl games did you watch that were entertaining? Um, The LSU-Wisconsin game was good. Okay. 
Um, but LSU had none of their like really good players, which would have been the entertaining part. Oh, I, I was surprised the- to see neighbors play. Neighbors and Brian Thomas played. The only reason that opt-outs made sense, and I was pro opt-outs when they were all amateurs, because then you don't want to get hurt what like before you get your payday. You've been playing for free your whole life. It doesn't make sense to go play in a you know quote unquote voluntary game and potentially get hurt and miss out on all that money. But you're getting paid now. Show yeah. up to the fucking bowl game. I don't it makes no sense to me. You've got I a think- bunch of spoiled divas now. Yeah, can you like is there there no way to like mandate that people play in postseason games? Because that's it. It's some NIL programs will like string together. All right, we'll give you another 50 grand to this if you play in the bowl. What's like people go like it's broken, there's no way to fix it. The players not playing is a symptom, it's not the cause. And it's like, what? So, what I would say if you're going to keep college football how it's structured is right now with NIL heading there, but like, I mean, the schedule you want bowl games to be at the end of the year. Yes. The only way that you can have non-playoff bowl games, which give it two seasons. Somebody's going to opt out of the 12 seed game. <laughs> give it two seasons. But <laughs> um, but the only way I think you could do that is once you get NIL to a point where you have these structured contracts where a player gets like 50% of their money for the season and then the rest of it if they play the bowl game. So yeah. it's, like, it's going to be some split like that that incentivizes them to play enough. But... I have heard some creative ways that bowl games should be changed that I think would make them exciting. Oh, but uh, this sounds like a segment. And I honestly think move the bowl games. And I'm stealing this from a guy who I think is a little wimp and complainer in Danny Cannell. I was going to fucking say that. I, oh, yeah. Wait, is it, to, is it mid-season tournament bowls? Is that what it is? So no. I kind of like mid-season as well, but make it the first game of the year. So opening weekend. Oh, that's kind of cool. Everybody plays in a bowl game, and you base it off the previous season record. It's so I know we're not the same team, but it gives some interesting opportunities, and it's really good recruitment. Like you think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, your first game of the season will be against Alabama in the Cotton Bowl or whatever. Like it's. It'd be something cool to look forward to, and nobody. It's a really would cool idea. They do that in soccer, right? That's the Super Cup in soccer is like the first game of the year. Right. How would it work logistically? Like, would we have a bowl season or would it be that first week zero Saturdays when they have all these different bowls? I still think there's an art to bowl season where you only have like one to two games playing at a time. Mm -hmm. So I think if you could somehow start the bowl season in the beginning of the summer and then stretch that up to week zero, we might be something. I, I don't, I think you could do it over the period of a full week. Where you just have week zero, and then they get a everybody gets a bye week after bowl, and then you go to your regular. Yeah. You probably want to like cut down on on bowls too. Uh, yeah, or or honestly, they could become money makers again. Yeah, and you'd see more bowls, but but you'd see, <laughs> you'd see the pop tart. Um, well, that's the whole thing. The bowls were have been entertaining this year. Like the the stuff around. I don't know if you guys watched the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Yeah, the goofy stuff works. The goofy stuff works so well. The guys in the booth, my favorite part was they were definitely like not pro mayonnaise. The guys who were, I think it was, uh, uh, what's uh, what's anti mayo? Yeah, what's the old Florida coach's name? Dan Mullen. It was Mullen, yeah. 
he was up there and they kept giving them like different mayo related products to try but it was like yeah, the opposite of like product placement where they're like like they weren't like oh this is good they're like this is disgusting <laughs> like why did they make this it was really funny they're and, like the pushing to be a coach next year he's gonna take a job somewhere oh definitely that was great the pop-tart bowl was great the cheese it bowl was great like the shenanigans were on full display this year and i really enjoyed it the i think yeah. the taco bell bowl there's potential there yeah, if you're, I don't know if you, if, you know, whether or not you're pro or anti bar stool, but the bar stool uh, bowl of yeah. only having bar stool people like on the call anywhere was really funny. It, no, it, it was. It was actually really entertaining. When I yeah, first, so like before last year, I heard they were going to do it, and I'm like, that's going to be really obnoxious. And I watched a game, and it was entertaining, and it's the same this year. So. It was so entertaining. And then Caleb Presley like trying to like crack jokes to the head coaches like in the middle of the game and they weren't having it like it was so funny Caleb you know Presley's hilarious. really worked this year it's because they're taking a huge risk with the arizona bowl which is played at the same time as whatever new year's six bowl gets the last slot on new year's eve yeah so if that's a good game nobody's fucking watching the arizona bowl no one's going to the cw this year it was florida state georgia right so yeah. everybody tuned out of that after the second quarter Flipped over to there and um, like my dad even watched it and he said it was actually a good change of pace because they were just, yeah. you know, the, they yeah. were they weren't the stereotypical Kirk Curb Street. Oh, the DN did a really good job on this play right here, squeezing down the gap. And it's like, yeah, that's good analysis. And I'm not faulting Kirby, but like sometimes you want to hear a guy go like. Why the fuck did the DN learn that play go inside and make the play? Like, well, and not only that, it's within the the midst of like forty other football games. So yeah. it's like you like you said, it's like a good change of pace, and it's not like you're like I waited all all year for this like Sunday night game, and this is the only one. It's yeah, it's like one of forty, and it's Toledo and Wyoming. Like, who really cares? But apparently, they did a basketball game too. Like, they had a little bar stool invitational tournament with some <laughs> college basketball teams. Yeah. And they were yelling at the players to shoot so that the total would go over. Like they yeah. would kind of out of hand. Which is funny to think how far sports betting has come in like two years. It's unbelievable. That yes. you, can have announcers, you can have announcers at a game actively yelling at the players on the court to skip. I think I said this on an episode like a year ago, but every time the commercial comes on, it just baffles me every time, which is the like make your life more fun, like gamble. And I was what? <laughs> Um, all right. To get us talking about the semifinals again, I have a little trivia for you guys. Talk to me. Before this quarterback have thrown, sorry, I've told, I'm going to have to edit this because I screwed up that intro so, so badly. Um, which quarterback in the semifinals games this year? It must be Phoenix. I don't know had already thrown a collegiate pass while Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Baker Mayfield had yet to throw an NFL pass. Okay, you're making fun of Phoenix and his age. We, It's not making it's fun very of Very old. Stat. It's a crazy stat that this guy has quite literally been in college for, what, seven years? Yeah. He was, was, no, I didn't know every here. single one of his IU seasons ended in career-ending injuries. I saw that. On the yeah. broadcast, and was like, I don't remember that because I remember him being good. Mm -hmm. No, he um, was he he was the main highlight of the COVID season, other than Devonte Smith. 
Yeah, and it was the IU coach like came in from Florida and then got like a bunch of Florida guys up there and they got good all of a sudden. The IU coach was DeBoer. Yes. Um, and also it's a little funny tidbit on that too. Patrick Mahomes had only started one NFL game at that point. So, so wow. like, that gives That's you wild. if that gives you context how long this guy's been playing college football. But and I'm I'm not, I know a lot of people have been using that to knock him. How can you not like that? This guy is the premier college quarterback and he showed up on the biggest stage and had, he'd already had a great season. He had the game of his life in the, the game of his life. He looked really good. Like I think from a uh, prospect evaluation standpoint, um, but I've seen him rock it up. I, some, I don't know which one of you two tagged me in the mock draft today. Was that you? <laughs> that was today. Yeah, uh, that Penix was is getting mocked to at three to New England. I was like, okay, everybody, calm down. Then they had Bo Nix at eleven to the Raiders, which is so funny. Could you imagine? Um, ridiculous. But he, I think he looked really good. He looked like a pro quarterback. I still don't think he's that good. Like I'd probably have like a late first kind of grade on him, but. Uh, he looked really good. It'll be interesting to see how if he can do it against Michigan. That looked like that. if Belichick were going to be the coach of the Pats, he looks like just the quarterback that Belichick. Oh, wanted. I don't disagree with that, but I I think the only teams that should take Michael Penix are NFL teams that are just looking for a quarterback. Yes, ready to play right now, but you don't know how much longer he's going to have wheels on him, and you don't know if he's going to get any better. Because I think this is his best form, which to me means he – I think he could start games in the NFL. I don't know. Like, I think it will well, – He has the Ohio State problem right now, though, which is that his receivers are just so good. I was going to say that, too. I mean, I said it before, last week in the semifinals. I was like, I don't know how Washington's going to match up in the trenches and everywhere else with Texas, which I think they did a pretty good job anyway. Um, but the receivers are what's going to dictate this game. And – my God, they showed up as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy for Washington because it felt like even at the, the announcers in this game were like, well, everybody thought Oregon would be here. They beat them twice. Yes. <laughs> sure respect. I will say, though, this is a we should take a pause. Say that George and I were both 0 for 2 with our picks. And Sean Foley, of course, went 2 for 2. So, so I guess we have to ask you, who's winning the national championship? You know, you know, I really, and we can get to Michigan too. So that was another really good game. And Michigan, are we ready for the the prediction yet? You're right. I went too early. I just, I just realized I was like, man, we here. Hold that, hold that. We haven't even talked about the games yet. We keep getting sidetracked. Let's talk about the games. Can we talk about the games? <laughs> this is what happens when we record late at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, get off track no did you guys did you were did you stay up for the whole washington texas game because i embarrassingly fell asleep with about five minutes to go i did I too that's right when i fell asleep but it was with they were up 14 they were so up 14 and i fell right asleep and then and then uh, i like, rolled over onto my phone and it was like absolute classic at the sugar bowl like only idiots fell asleep with five minutes to go so yeah okay oh. before, before we get into it just one more quick little Fuck you to ESPN <laughs> for putting the most important college football game. You know, wouldn't it be a great time to do it Saturday? Like, why Why are we waiting? I mean, I mean, we had a whole holiday season, and we wait till the night where people have to go to work and start it at 9 o'clock. 
So yeah, it started so late. And the other thing, last year, wasn't it on on New Year's Eve? It was no. because they they avoid the NFL like the plague. Last year, New Year's Eve was a Saturday. Ah. So, just, I remember the Ohio State kicker missing the field goal as the clock struck midnight. Yep. Well, geez, that I, means that that game ended earlier than this game that was on a school night. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jeeve, I have good news for you. Uh, Washington and Michigan is going to kick off probably at 8 o'clock Monday night. It's still too late. I know it's too late. That's satire. It's it really ridiculous. pisses me off. I, they could bully some of the, you know, it's what's next week, week 17. Like they could, or no, week 18. They could bully some, like, what games even matter next? Week? I haven't even looked at the NFL schedule. Actually, some great games next week, but we'll get into that too later. There's like two or three winning in games. But just just the truth of it is, they could have just started the first game at like one. Yeah, they could have started whenever. <laughs> yeah, like they didn't. They could have had both games yesterday. It was fine. And I remember I was watching the the Bama Michigan game, and when it ended, I was like, man, I I, I want to go to bed right now. We have a whole yeah. other football game to go. Yeah. yeah. Um. It also doesn't help that it that I got really hammered the night before. So, uh, uh, but what I'll say is Washington aired it out. Texas Quinn Ewers I think is really good. It was a shame that he got a little banged up. I think that did alter his the rest of his second half. Um, I want to say ESPN with no shame whatsoever in that Arch. they kept cutting to Arch Manning and it looks like a toddler wearing an oversized football helmet on the sidelines. Like he's stretching. And every time they cut him, he's just standing perfectly still. Like he's not doing anything to move to the game. They're like, Oh man, he's chomping at the bit. Yeah. They're like, he's now the backup after the transfer of da da da. But you know, he probably was the backup anyway. It's like, no, they, they had the other guy played. <laughs> Murphy was so much better. Our arch has not looked good at the time that he's been in. But do you think ESPN wanted to see Arch Manning come into that game? Yes. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the announcer, the announcer literally said, uh, we know Quinn Ewers is coming back next year, but you got to think Arch Manning's going to see the field pretty soon. It's like, no, he's not. <laughs> Quinn Ewers is a really good college quarterback. Like, Did Quinn Ewers um, pass up on the draft, or is he still too young? He no, passed, he's, but... he's eligible this year. That's interesting. But he it's also a, he skipped his senior year of high school to go to Ohio State. Oh, so gotcha. He's, he's still young. Very young. Like he he's got some developing to do. My desk is falling apart. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I I don't think Texas was an undeserving team by any means. I think they're a good football team. I just think Washington's really good. Yeah, I, I, think I mean they, that's one of those games that it's like you know any any given any given Monday <laughs> where. Yeah, I think either team could have really won that game, but man, Washington looks so good. And when the deep ball is is dropping the way that it was, yeah, yeah it's just, it's tough to beat. So, so uh, speaking of, you think either team could have won that game? Uh, how do we feel about the first game? I think either team could have won that game too. I, I, <laughs> I think you have. It was sloppy. It was weirdly sloppy. Muffed punts, yeah. fumbles, weirdly sloppy, and I didn't realize this going into the game. Alabama's offensive line is massive. It's bigger oh. than most NFL teams. I think they said like 20 NFL teams. It's bigger than. They have three guys, 350. They fully went full throttle into the running quarterback, which that is what Milrow's good at. He kind of reverted back to what he was doing earlier in the year 
I don't know what he what he found. And I mean, the SEC championship wasn't like he was lighting it up, throwing it around the field, but he made some throws. They didn't even let him attempt a decent throw in this well, game. The, they they were just running with him, screens and everything. Um, yeah, how'd you how'd you feel watching uh, Tommy Rees in that spot? Because t- to me, it kind of felt like. So the weird thing about the final play of the game, have you guys seen the film breakdown that? If it's an RPO, the swing pass was wide open, but he clearly panicked when the snap was low. Oh, no, I did not see this. So I've only seen the part where he had the gap if he followed the guard. Well, the the tackle got absolutely destroyed and closed. That gap got closed. So, I like, the read wasn't to run at all. It was to hit the swing, who which had two blockers in front of him with two defenders, and the guy that was guarding the swing was a good five yards behind him at the line of scrimmage on the trail. So he could have beat him to the pylon you're in. But I think the low snap rushed him. Now, what's weird is Tommy Reese came out today and said that, no, the plan was always a QB run. But if you really look at the play design, I think they're just protecting the kid um, and saying that it was that. But because he really botched it. And I get it's a it's one thing I will not. I do not understand how an Alabama center cannot snap the ball. Yeah, unbelievable. And it's happened all year. Yeah, I think right. one of us mentioned it on the podcast last week. Like they like the guy's been ground balling all year. It's insane because you're putting a guy that's already not that comfortable staying in the pocket to throw. And instead of being able to keep his head up when the when you're pre-snapping or right at the snap to see what the D backs and linebackers are doing, you're worried as shit about if this ball's gonna come in at your ankles or hit you in the right spot. Like People, like it's a little nuanced thing about football that you don't think about until it goes wrong and it was going wrong. And so Milrow, I think was shook all game, which resulted in that final play being another low snap. And he went, ah, fuck, I have to go do something instead of letting the play actually go as you, as it's supposed to go. Um, but I don't know. Tommy Reese, I like him actually. I know he left Notre Dame and everything and I hope he does well, but, I can't really fault him if you're given that big of an offensive line and a quarterback that can't really throw. Yeah. <laughs> I, so I actually thought Tommy Reese called. So the first half, Michigan's defensive line, they were rushing five and the pocket was collapsing instantly. Like right. there was nothing that Jalen Milrow or any of his shitty receivers could do about it. The line was just falling down. So you can't really call plays around that. And he did a really good job of making adjustments. He's like, all right, you know what? We're basically just going to run the Wildcat in the second half. And it worked. And they moved the ball a lot. I thought he called a really good game. Uh, I don't think you can fault him for that last play. Uh, I think Jalen Milrow, you know what you get with him. You get a guy who is a really good athlete, but he's going to fuck up two to three times a game. And, I mean, if he hadn't fumbled, we'd be talking about Alabama in the the final hey, oh 100 all the twitter boys said who would have could have i don't well see i i've drifted into georgia twitter today i was in florida twitter uh because i'm mad about various different things <laughs> that's a great and, line and i i was uh i was getting could have should have wooded um, I will say though, I think Alabama takes that game if JJ McCarthy didn't have the game of his life, and that uh, not the, the game of his life. He didn't do anything impressive. I was not impressed by him. He's the I, I, I thought that Brock Purdy. He's basically Brock Purdy of college football. I thought. Well, first of all, did you see Harbaugh said he's the greatest quarterback in college history? No, like, he said he's the greatest quarterback in Michigan history. 
Oh, I thought he said I thought he said college, and that's crazy when Brady he, went to Michigan. He said but, he said Michigan history, and then he went on. He's like, you got some work to do before you get to Tom Brady. I don't know what he was saying, but he did not say all of college football like that. Either way, it was I felt like he played a very steady game. You're right; it was nothing that like jumped off the page. But then that one-handed catch that he had, and then got the ball out. I think he's that was he's a really good athlete, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know how good his pro career is going to be. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll, well, you see. have to remember, like it didn't it didn't feel like they had a uh, it di- it didn't feel like they couldn't throw the ball. And there's been times this season with Michigan where you're like that, like I don't know that they even can right now. So how, I, how, how we started the game, he got bailed out on the first play of the game by the defender's toe. Yeah, that was that yeah. was ugly. Through the most, but guys like even his completions, like that one. Uh, completion he had where Kool-Aid, I don't know what Kool-Aid was doing, but he totally overthrew Roman Wilson and Roman Wilson made a great, I think it was Roman Wilson, right? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where he, he skied it and Roman Wilson made an unbelievable catch. Yeah. I mean, and this is where I'll head with our, who's going to win the actual Natty. And I kind of just last week is where I was just looking at personnel groups and being like, well, Michigan's better all over here. I think the X factor, and it kind of was the same thing calling the Michigan-Alabama game, was if if Justin Milrow showed up in that game and put some competent passes out there and do his thing running, Alabama wins that football game. He wasn't passing at all. Couldn't pass. Penix, receivers. Penix can, has good receivers, and his line has proven that they can protect. So if his line holds up, I'm I'm dangerously saying I think Washington's going to win the national title game. I love I, that. I think I their defense to... played well too. Like I, I really do. So you're predicting Washington? He said he almost wants to. I'm I'm thinking about it, G. But I have three more minutes on the Zoom to make a decision. All right. Yes. Well, I'll go. I'll go. I'm thinking with my head here, and I went zero and two because of. Or I'm sorry, thinking with my heart, went zero and two because of it. But I am all in on Washington. Uh, The defense is a problem in a bad way. I don't know how they're going to stop Michigan's run game. Michigan has a sick offensive line. Defense is a problem. Um, But Michael Penix, X factor, as you said, uh, trust in Penix. (laughs) TIP. Oh, did you, you guys also saw the the length thing with, with Jalen Milrow, let a naysayer know. The naysayers told. I did you also see the <laughs> Pat Magami tweet where people are like, Do you know how good at football a guy has to be for people to stop saying his name is penis? <laughs> That's <laughs> like, really how funny. Good Michael Panix is at football now. It's that people aren't even thinking about the penis. That, that is really funny. <laughs> um so I I feel like Michigan's got a better D line than Texas. I don't think that that's a terribly controversial take. And so I'm still, I'm concerned about the ability to develop a deep passing game when the pocket's collapsing much faster than it did against Texas. Um, That being said, I didn't think Washington, like I thought Washington was like probably my fourth ranked team going into the college football playoff. Um, and I think I'm just wrong and bad at evaluating college football. So I too am going to go with Washington, and also because oh, Michigan, a bunch it, of cheaters, 
we fucked up. That Michigan's definitely gonna win now. I know. So, I think it's gonna be I our fault. Cheers. I, I still haven't locked in my prediction. Yeah. So my prediction is that Monday, Michigan will win the national title. But down the road, they will be stripped of it. Michigan will be stripped of the national title, and it will sit in Washington from there on forward. Is that how it works? So both win. No, I think actually I, I saw something funny when they stripped Reggie Bush of his Heisman. They actually asked Vince Young if he wanted the Heisman, and he was like, "No, why? Why would I want?" The it was do like, you know? Do they do that with Louisville? <laughs> I don't know, but that's funny. Um, all right, I'm locking in. Uh, Michigan's going to win. I think they're going to run the ball. Uh, but I do think if Penix has a game like he did in the semis, they've got a really good chance. I, it's going to be a good game. Going to be a good game. Not a TCU Georgia. We'll say that. Let's hope because there's a chance. All right. I know we're done the college football talk, but I really hope Penix has another good game because that will be really fun draft talk because I'm sure his stock will go through the roof, which I don't think it will be deservingly. <laughs> I I agree with you in that the situation has to be right. But if Brock Purdy can be a successful NFL quarterback, like Michael yeah. Penix definitely can. Sorry, Penix. I'll give some critical thinking to it, but I don't know how many teams are with to have that situation, you know, that are like, like the Steelers, maybe. I think he'd be a, he'd be a better version of Tua, to be honest. Like, I think you could argue that he does all the stuff that Tua does. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's maybe, I mean, we, he's got a long way to go. You know, when you want to hear the worst, (laughs) the worst comparison I saw today was, Michael Irving said that he really reminds him of Michael Vick. I'm like, did you watch the game? Michael Michael Irving doesn't watch football. I think that's clear. <laughs> I was but like, you know, I did hear some some race stuff. It's, it was like Jalen Milrow is what racists think of uh, about black quarterbacks not being quarterbacky. And I thought about it, and I'm like, Michael Penix is the most quarterbacky quarterback. Oh of- yeah. Playoff, like possibly in college football, he is extremely. But the fact that anybody would say that he's like Michael Vick is just proves you just. I think people was... can't really uh, imagine too much, but it's the it goes the same way too because it's like everybody's like Daniel Jones is exactly like Eli Manning, and you're like Daniel Jones can run like a four or five. Like, what are we talking about? He runs like a deer, and his face looks like a deer. Yeah. Um, like right. these guys just look identical. They have the same terrible haircut. Right. Hey, I like their haircut. That's because you also have their haircut, George. Well, thanks. But it looks good on you. Uh, stop it. You're making me blush. <laughs> um, so you guys want to talk about the Sixers-Bulls game tonight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Up 25 in the first quarter. I was going to say, are you off of the Eagles already and, and it's time to break out the Sixers jerseys? Um, No, I want to say uh, most people might think I'm angry or – that I'm sad. I'm happy. And you want to know why I'm happy? Lowered expectations. Because this team has just locked it in that they're not winning anything. And I've come to terms. It's good. 
It's good. I know my season's over. I'm like you two. My season's over. You know, it's it's all good. I can just watch football now. Welcome no, to the club. Yeah, welcome. No stress. Um, from an I have outsider, a feeling you still have some stress left in the season, but that's just me. From an outsider's view, vantage point, is this like the biggest collapse of a contender that you've seen in the regular season? It's interesting. They're having the reverse of the Bills season, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, so funny. It it is because there haven't been any like I I get slays out, but there haven't other than that no significant injuries. It's been the coaching, and I think it's very obviously been the coaching, which is tough. Almost like Sirianni is a bum. And it's so funny too because I really liked Sirianni last year. And I didn't realize that that just meant that I really liked Gannon and Steichen a lot. <laughs> and then as it turns out, <laughs> they were not so easy to replace. So I'm going to say it's 70% coaching, 20% players, 10% the GM. Um, because last year's Super Bowl, and I think last year's team had this if you were really critical, had some weaknesses and in the Super Bowl it got exposed where we didn't force the Chiefs to punt once uh, because they just did two-step drops and hit it over the middle exposed our bad linebacking core yeah uh, how he went into the season he doesn't value linebackers that's the one position that's been his philosophy he doesn't even draft a rookie linebacker on a cheap deal no he only drafts like fifth rounders and signs guys that get cut by everybody else because if you look around the league the league is full of good linebackers that were on the Eagles for a year. So he's gotten lucky in the past where he hits on one and then they leave the next year. We didn't hit on anybody this year. So every team's carving us up that way. And what's so funny is that the offensive play calling was so atrocious against the Cardinals and has been in a lot of situations this year that the defense isn't even getting talked about that much for being abysmal. The Cardinals didn't punt. Yeah. The Cardinals didn't punt. The four and twelve Cardinals didn't punt. So put yourself in a Sirianni's shoes right now. What are you doing with the defense? Because the Eagles are are in the playoffs. Yeah, sadly. So they are going to be there, and and you're you know four games away from raising the Lombardi Trophy, and so you know no matter what, no matter how bad it looks going in, you're four games away. And so what do you do with the defensive coordinator spot right now? I think the biggest mistake weeks ago when they were. 10 and 2. I think it was the Niners loss or 11 and 2. We were like 11 and 2. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but we switched out the defensive coordinator to Matt Patricia. And I remember saying, I was like, I don't know many <laughs> two noted successful <laughs> coordinator, Matt Patricia. <laughs> like, I don't know too many 11 and 2 teams that have made a coordinator switch that late in the season and it's turned out well. And the defense has gotten worse. It was already the worst third down defense. Now it's the worst every down defense. Do <laughs> you go back? I don't think you can go no, back. No, you can't that, at this point. Do you change to somebody else? Clearly, they're trying to learn slightly different scheme now that Matt Patricia's in charge. But you don't have enough time, and it's it's playoff time. Like, it's not time to learn new schemes. Like, you, you should have written the defense. The real mistake was Sirianni should have. And I think there's a lot of internal politics going on. I don't know how closely you guys are following Philadelphia beat writers right now, but AJ, <laughs> Brown, 
AJ Brown hasn't talked to the media in three weeks, um, which means he's just picking up fines. And every time they ask him why he's not talking, he says, my grandmother told me not to say uh, anything when I don't have anything nice to say. And he said, it's not about you guys. So it's about the coaches. Yeah. And the first week that happened, everybody was like, oh, AJ's being a diva. He's not getting the ball. Now the entire city's around AJ Brown. And he announced on Twitter tonight that he will be speaking tomorrow. And every single reply to that is, destroy brian johnson and that man's life like everybody wants him to why would you want to do that during the season that's not because gee the season's over uh what are you dude that that is so ridiculous like that you have to but i do think there's a degree of uh like they're not in a position where they were like where they're like a rising team and like they need to like like keep the morale together they're in the like we need a shock to the system to get this this train back on the track. So I don't hate that move, you know? Like, there's definitely, pe- like, coaches that'll call out players publicly when they're in a funk and, like, as uh, to try to, like, fire them up. I, you know, I, I don't think it'd be unfounded. I don't think it would necessarily be unhelpful at this juncture. Like Sean's saying, the season's over unless you fix something. Like the, My thing is, like, can Sirianni not call plays? Isn't this his No, scheme? he cannot. <laughs> so Sirianni did call plays for the first season he was head coach, gave it to Steichen halfway through the season, and then we became a really, really good team. Um, so I'm not saying Sirianni shouldn't take back play calling. I think that's the change that needed to happen weeks ago, not Matt Patricia becoming D coordinator. I think the internal change was Brian Johnson. See, the issue is Sean Desai, I looked it up. He actually had some interest to be a defensive coordinator elsewhere. Um, Not that I think anybody actually offered him besides the Eagles, but he had interest at least. His name was floated around. Brian Johnson had zilch. (laughs) Nobody was knocking on the door of this guy. And the reason he's the offensive coordinator is because he's like Jalen Hurts' godfather. And Oh, really? Yeah. He was I had his, no idea. He was his like one of his high school football. Jalen Hurts' dad was his high school football coach, and Brian Johnson was like his QB trainer. And then like at Alabama, and then Brian Johnson found his way to the NFL, and he's the quarterbacks coach last year. And then so it's all to keep Jalen happy, which is fine and good if the guy knows how to call a game and he doesn't know how to call a fucking game. I don't know if you guys watched, which I wouldn't be mad at you guys for not watching the Cardinals Eagles at one o'clock. Like that's a horrible matchup. But did you see the end of game situation? I did not watch the game. So it's a tie game. Four minutes left. Gannon does the biggest. I know you guys aren't legit move and all time does a fake onside kick that was so wimpy. It went right to the Eagles guy. We take it down. But he goes, either they're going to fuck up the situation and not score or they'll get three, but they won't have enough time to run the ball out. Like not enough yardage. So he was like, oh, even if wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, they won't be able to handle the situation because the Eagles have, even when they were like 8-0, I remember saying, why did we throw a deep ball to A.J. Brown to, to go up seven against the Commanders and give them two minutes to come back and score? And that's what they did and took us to overtime, just run the ball out and kick a field goal. Like, we're a bad situational team, and Sirianni's been a bad situational coach. And I promise I'll wrap up this rant in a minute. Just give me, give me, give me a little bit longer. But the situation was, they do the onside kick. We throw a like a post to A.J. Brown for like 17 to get into field goal range. Offensive hold. It's now first and 20. First play. QB powers to the left. Three yards. Second play. QB powers to the right. Jalen Hurts does a wheel running away. Loses all the yards we gained. So now it's third and 20. And you know Throw what? it. 
Brian Johnson decides to do? He runs a bubble screen to Kenneth Gamewell with Devontae Smith blocking for him. On the guy And guess what? Devontae Smith like is on crutches now because he was got hurt blocking on that play. I saw that malpractice of calling an offensive game plan. It's atrocious. And and I get Jalen Hurts is a good runner, and I'm I'm actually someone that's defended the QB powers, but he hasn't committed to contact this year, and you can't have a runner running a power go get uh, doing a power run like and he's essentially a running back in that play. He has to be able to take the first hit, and if you're of the mind that you don't want your quarterback be getting hit, hand it to the running back. Yeah, don't run quarterback power. Run right, half yeah. power. <laughs> like this, it's not that they're overthinking it and. The shittiest part is they all backed it up in their press conference yesterday, of course, where Sirianni was like, well, how the game flow is going, those three play calls are actually the right thing to do. And it's the wimpiest thing in the world because also Sirianni said on the third and 20, uh, we had the wind in our face, so we just wanted to get a little bit more in field goal range. So they had already accepted the fact that they were just going to try and kick a field goal when their defense hadn't stopped the Cardinals all day. Like, talk about malpractice of the coaching staff. It's yeah. just atrocious. And uh, it's going to go down in Philly sports history where we had a Super Bowl team. And instead of hiring two veteran coordinators, which, you know, you very, a lot of teams do that when they're pretty complete, right? You just bring in a veteran coordinator and they hire two rookies. Yeah, that's and, definitely tough. Um, So that's my sob story. That's why it's 70% coaching, 20% players, 10%. Also, the player, the D line is like so out of shape. Bald Brian Baldinger, who does a great job of breaking down offensive line play, thinks that they're they're actually finding Jordan Davis every week because he's overweight. Really? Yeah, because I did see him. He just ran to the outside. It didn't look like it was that physical, and he was just on the ground. I'm like, oh no, is he hurt? And this was way earlier in the season. It's like no, he's just out of breath. And. It comes back to, you know, who we could have had instead of him? And this is classic Philly sports fan who looks yeah. back at the draft. We could have had Kyle Hamilton. We could have had Justin Jefferson, but. Um, but it's bad. And I know we're we're doing sage advice for them later. So I'm going to save my advice for the ownership group. But um, yeah, that's it's it's miserable. We're going to be the first wild card. Hey, we might beat Tampa. They're the only team we actually beat convincingly this year. So. We'll go get. Well, I almost wonder if there are these problems that are stewing under the surface. Like now is kind of the time, right? And like I know that there's a lot of it feels insurmountable at this exact moment, especially coming off of the, a game like the Cardinals. But I think it at least gives you a moment for some introspection and and figure out what exactly is going wrong and probably light a fire under some folks. But I think my concern is that I, there, I there's no faith in the coaching staff to get the train like you know to, to to write the ship so i don't know that introspection is even going to necessarily help but i think it will because it was this coaching staff that got the eagles to 11 and 1 it was 11 and 1 right yeah you won some games you beat some good teams uh yeah, I mean, we were looking at when we, they were you were 11 and 1 you were entering the stretch we were saying this team you know best team in football easy and that's the most three weeks sorry three weeks figure it out get healthy I, I think it's a total – this is the best time to buy the Eagles, really. Yeah. And I've been talking about it for a while, and I might do it this week. Uh, 
Oh, you and you mean actually buy the Eagles? Let yeah, them like buy, the, buy their Super Bowl ticket. Let them let them lose to the Giants first. That's <laughs> probably not going to happen. And if it does, then I'll definitely have to buy some. Even though, so I don't believe that the Cowboys are going to lose to the Commanders. But technically, the NFC East is still up for grabs. And Sirianni's already talking about resting players. Yeah, that's not good. Do they play after Dallas? I think it's same time or well, something. Like, yeah, that's not good. I don't like, think he knows how to manage a team. And I've said yeah. it over and over, even last year. Like, the guy just seems like a dunce. I was uh, – I did see some stuff on social media today that was kind of like – who. Like, what exactly is Sirianni bringing to the table? Because he's not really the master motivator. And he's not really, like, the offensive genius or anything. He just kind of seems like a steady hand. But it's so funny, you know, like, four weeks ago, we were talking about him for coach of the year. He wears Phillies jerseys. It's like, that's all. And that that shit, that pandering stuff is great when you're winning. Yeah. Uh, It's like, ah, he's wearing the Bryce Harper jersey. That's sick. Uh, he's at the Sixers game, da, 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 da. but like, and this is, I, I remember talking about this a couple weeks to you guys, like Jeffrey Lurie is a very hands-on owner. Uh, he likes to have decision power. And the reason Doug Peterson lost his job, we did go four and 11 and one, he had a tie. Um, even, but that was two years after our first ever Super Bowl, And a lot of people didn't want Doug to go, but Doug wanted GM powers and Lurie, has his guy Howie, and he wasn't going to let that happen. So it was an easy call for him. And I think Sirianni never aspires to have GM ability, and I think that's why he was an easy pick for them. And don't get me wrong. I I actually think he is a better motivator than he's given credit because he looks really corny. But every motivating coach, if you don't win – you lose all respect. Like that's why there's X and O coaches, and then there's the Rawa coaches, and the Rawa coaches only last as long as their teams keep winning. Sure. Like you have to have some ability. Like a lot of people talk about if you're hiring a coach today, make sure he's a play caller, whether it's defense or offense, because you need to have that stability on one side of the ball as you're building something. Sure. But those guys but are. If you look at like the Lions and. That conventional wisdom goes right out the window because now no, you have. But they're winning. Yes, they are winning, but That's they weren't started. Huh? They weren't when he started. I know that kind of runs into what you're saying, but you get a year. Sirianni didn't win his first year. You yeah. know, you you get a year to get the message going, and nobody expects that first season to be super successful. But by the end of the first season, there was hope, and by the end of the first season with Dan Campbell, there was some signs and stuff like that. So, I don't know. Um, let's talk about the Niners locked up the one seed. Um, I, even though they lost to the Ravens, I really think the Niners now have the path to the Super Bowl victory. I was going to say, is it, is it, is it a Niners Ravens crash course at this point? Like, it's so funny. It feels like five or six weeks ago, we were talking about how this is like the most open that the (laughs) NFL has been in a long time. And now it's like, we know what teams are meeting in the Super Bowl. Like you, it's football. We never know what teams are. It is be. football. It is definitely football. But boy, it looks like there is a pretty easy de facto number one in both conferences. I would agree with that. That I think there's two dominant teams that look really, really good. 
But the AFC picture to me is still a little muddy because I think there's some teams making interesting moves at the end of the season coming into form. Again, the Bills. I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, the, I think the Bills could make a good run here. Um, ever since Sean McDermott said that thing in the locker room, you know, these guys are. Yeah, really, yeah these guys are, are really firing on all cylinders. Uh, but uh, and Josh Allen's playing like MVP Josh Allen. And I think that's always the X factor. I just don't know how you can look at how the Bills seasons have ended in, in the last few years and go like, no, this is the year. Like, I know that that's not necessarily the best barometer to be using, but I like I have difficulty going like, you know, this, this is the more talented roster. I'm full on a Bills fan at this point uh, for the rest of this year. I really like Josh Allen and I want him to get a Super Bowl. Uh, and that is in the back of my mind as a lifelong Bills fan uh, <laughs> that are that our lack of success, but um, there's something different about the the adversity that we've overcome. I, I just think we're going to be able to put it together in the back half of the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. It feels like there's too many holes all over the place. Like you said, like if Josh Allen's going to play that well, then, you know, who's going to beat them. But I think the same can be said about Patrick Mahomes. And I think the same can be said about Lamar Jackson. And I'd argue the Ravens definitely have the most complete roster out of the three of those. So that's why they're definitely my pick to come out of the. The Ravens and the Niners, but like the Niners are as good and well-rounded as they are. They are one injury. We, we saw how they played without Debo. That's when they went on their three game skit. Like Kyle well, that Shanahan. was no Debo and no Trent Williams. Okay. But they're shutting those guys down for three weeks. Yeah. Good. Pretty healthy. Get that's the rest. I mean, that's. Yeah, I think too. I'd say the big difference between the 49ers and every other team that we talked about is they don't have the, if this guy's playing this well, then they can't lose. Yeah, I think, and and it's the two philosophies, right? And the Niners, obviously, are the team that has the philosophy of build everything around the quarterback and pray to God you find a guy that can distribute it well enough. And Purdy's that guy. And And then draft a starter with the last pick of the draft. Right. <laughs> and Purdy is that guy. Um, but I think tomorrow they would dump him for Penix if Penix was there at the, end of the first round. So like like I don't I don't think it's ever that system. But if you look around in the AFC, you got Patrick Mahomes, who I'm still not bet- counting out. I, I know I still can't. This Chiefs team sucks. Mm-hmm. I can't count them out. They're the three seed. So they're gonna find their way into the divisional round. Um and then Joe Flacco and the Browns. Oh, <laughs> I can't quit him. He looks great. He looks so good. Gee, you can't tell me that you've quit the Browns. I no. I I I was on the the Browns at the beginning of the season. I'm like this. Yeah, defense. I think the Browns had the second most Super Bowl tickets after this weekend. But yeah. Oh no, that's a recipe for disaster. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, the Dolphins are the one team where like Tyreek's starting to get a little lame in the hamstring. It looks like he keeps pulling up a little bit if he's not full go then i don't think they have a hope um, i fear they don't have much of a hope in general which is kind of unfortunate i mean the only t- good team that they've beaten is the cowboys and we've already agreed that the cowboys are the biggest frauds yeah the, other than the dolphins so it'll be an interesting mike mcdaniel game because if he has been you know kind of keeping bullets in the chamber and is gonna unload him in a playoff game you know who knows maybe they could really catch somebody with their pants down but I, I don't know. And something I want to talk about because it happened at Saturday, so we kind of probably have forgot about it a little bit, was the Lions getting absolutely stolen the two seed from them. 
Well, so what's interesting is on the broadcast, they were talking about how the formation itself was illegal, and then I'd never seen that brought up again afterwards. It's It was legal. So it was unique, and I think that's what really confused the refereeing crew. But they also said that the guy never announced himself. The, re- the flag they threw was ineligible receiver. Yes. But there's video evidence of the guy checking in with the ref and the ref acknowledging. So. Yes. <clears throat> that's already a blunder. The formation was okay. Everything else checked out and it got taken away, which leads me to this. And I know I, in our notes, I was like, should AI come into, I don't know if it needs to be AI, but like there's gotta be a guy with the rule book <laughs> or something and be like, Hey, yo, yo, nah, this was good. This was all fine. Like they have VAR in soccer. And I know a couple years ago, they tried to do the pass interference thing where they could review pass interference and then no ref wanted to ever say they were wrong about it. So they just got rid of it. But how can this happen on the biggest stage in a primetime game with so much on the line that they just... We're lucky it wasn't the playoffs, right? That would have... But it's going to be. And now now what it really means is most likely the Lions are going to go have to play in Dallas in the second round. Where... I mean... At least they're getting a chance to play and get left out of the playoff altogether. But yeah, true. But they have to. um, Do they do reports after NFL games the way they do for NBA games, where the refs have to kind of like answer for themselves? Not typically, but did you see what Schefter put out? No. (laughs) Like an hour after the game, (laughs) he put out this tweet with an article that went through all of the misses that this crew has had this season. It's just a terrible crew. And then they got an hour later, they got demoted. They're not getting a playoff game. I did see that. I did see that they're not getting a playoff game. But I I didn't know because doesn't the NFL usually come out and say, like, we messed up that call? I don't know if it's like the NBA. I know what report you're talking about, the NBA. I don't know if you necessarily have that, but they kind of They've done it in the NFL before. Um, It's just interesting because on the broadcast, they were really like, they were like, choose your penalty here. Like none of this was legal. And they're like, even if he, even if he announced like, this is not a, this isn't a legal formation. Like there's not a, so I, I didn't know. Cause I don't know. And I'm, you know, I consider myself a, uh, a big football fan, but I don't know enough about the annals of the uh, rule but it's book. Okay if you don't know, it's okay. If I don't know, it's okay. If the broadcast broadcast does not know. It's not okay if the refs don't know. No, but I'm saying that the people on the broadcast were very convinced that there was like numerous things wrong on the play. And then that just like never came up again, which I thought was interesting. Like there's never any talk about whether or not. There's been a lot of Twitter videos about it and it's pretty much. I have seen those. (laughs) They screwed up. Um, But I feel bad for Lions fans because the Cowboys are good at home. You can give it to them. They win at home. I don't know if Jerry's got it rigged or something where he steals signs. That's probably what it is. That's definitely what it is. Um, but they're good at home. And it was not, I mean, the Cowboys, uh, I'm just getting mad again because the Eagles, the Cowboys should have been the wild card team for Christ's sake. And oh, they, that's right. I forgot that this affects you. I was wondering why you were not so, so it's just staunchly on one side of this. And they would have got, they would have got <laughs> home games. That was a hilarious Twitter. Because I was on Twitter all day, and at first it's like, you know, like, yeah, the Cowboys lost, uh, or the Cowboys won. That's not great, but it actually helps the Eagles a lot. And then those same accounts just had an absolute meltdown like 12 hours later. Yeah, and I, I, 
I had a good moment where I really wanted to text Russell Cooper after that happened. Just because <laughs> he texted me after the Cowboys beat the Eagles last time and was like, good game, you know, the typical. Um, I wanted just to send him a thank you. You know, thanks for the two seed. Enjoy the wild card. Um, but I refrained from doing that, and I'm glad I did because <laughs> this team's so, so apparently this was the this this is uh what's what's been said about the call is that the Lions sent three offensive linemen to go report and they didn't make it abundantly clear who was who, and they sent all of them to report to try to throw off the Cowboys. And so the NFL apparently just issued um, like a statement that says that you're not allowed to do that. Probably a uh, a bad answer and also weird that it came out all the way on Tuesday. Like it feels like they made that up, but that's what I'm reading. That's the biggest bullshit I've ever heard in my life. If you go up to the ref and you report, if you're an eligible receiver, you go report if you wear a whatever the number is, the lineman number. Like, that's the whole point. What do you mean you can't report people that should be reporting? No, he's saying that they sent multiple people and then to try to confuse them, and then it was not clear which one was actually reporting. Yeah, because 70, the guy who they said ran, said reported, ran over. Like, as 68 was reporting, you've seen the, everybody's seen the video by now. Right. But, but my, is, my point is, all you have to do is go over and report, and then that's that. I, I get what you're saying. Like, the, the ref should just know that the one at the end of the line has to be the one that goes and catches the pass. I, I Do you guys think that it, Do you guys think that they did it intentionally? Was yes. the game rigged for the Cowboys? Yes. It was Jerry Jones night, or whatever. Not Jerry Jones. Jimmy uh, Johnson. Johnson they, had, they ended their feud, whatever. And Jimmy Johnson – I did like this, though. Jimmy Johnson during his acceptance speech was literally like – you fans, you know, you really love us because during the 90s, we gave you something to cheer about for the next 30 years. <laughs> something like that. I kind oh, of really... that's very funny. Do he and Jerry Jones still hate each other? I think so. I think uh, just a he had to let it happen at some point before he died. And he's like, yeah, whatever. I'll do it this year. <laughs> that's... Um, but yeah, no, that was a that was a bummer of an ending. So um, never good. But. Yeah, I don't know. NFL fix it. Do something. Um okay. so, I know you you mentioned this of, of what the what the big games are for next week. I believe that the Texans and the Colts are in a win and in situation for the Saturday night game. Whichever team wins that wins the AFC South. Or no, that's not true. If the Jaguars lose, the winner of that wins the AFC South. Either way, win and you're in. Um, between the Texans and the Colts. So that's an exciting one. And then I think there's one other. It might be Falcons Saints. Is the Colts Texans, should that be the coach of the year bowl? Whoever wins that game becomes coach of the year? Probably. I think that'd be pretty deserving. I think Shanahan has to get it. That's the the other thing, though, is like, Every time I watch D'Amico Ryan's give a press conference, I just am so envious. He's so professional. Oh, uh, the Sunday night game, Bills Dolphins is for the AFC East. That's pretty hype. Super hype. And you know what? If the if whoever wins that game, obviously they'll get 
good better seating too but we'll feel really really good going into the playoffs like oh, that yeah. uh, demoralizing loss forever gets knocked out of the home playoff game yeah so that's a, that's a good one to watch especially um uh the difference between having to play at hard rock versus having to go play in Buffalo yeah. in January is uh no, no small difference. Yeah. That'll be, that's the two seed, right? Did you just say that? Uh, it's for the winner of the AFC East. I believe that also that would put the them in the two seed. seed. Cause yeah. they have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys. No, it's for the AFC. You goofus. No, I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Silly me. Who do they have? The, oh, the Chiefs. They have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs. Yeah, but the, Brown, the Browns are eleven and five right now too. So the Browns win, they lock they lock up the two seed. Interesting. Really? If the Browns win, they get the two seed, unless the Dolphins win, and then they would get the two seed. The, I don't think the the Bills would get it if they do you won. Like now that the one seed's the only one that gets a buy. A little. I like there being three wild card teams. Yeah, I like the expansion of the playoff. I don't think it should get any bigger, but I like the expansion of it. The two seed just is so much worse than it used to be. Like the two seed used to be a hell yeah, like <laughs> we're, we're set up. But maybe, uh, maybe that maybe it makes sense. Like the one should get a better. My teams have gotten the one seed. Uh, I've had the Braves get it two years in a row now, and – <laughs> the Titans got it in 2021 and it doesn't work. Like I, I'm a big believer in rust. So uh, I I don't know how much that buy necessarily. And I get that football is totally different than baseball um, with injuries. Yeah. In baseball, it's nice to have the extra, the extra week of rest. Um, I also think it makes each kind of tier of it more competitive. Like you're either you're in punching chance of the one seed or you're in punching chance of losing home field advantage so it keeps it interesting all through the season but sure and last year i mean i think in football very often the one seed makes the Super Bowl. yeah um, well, yeah and and you know you're one game away from the conference championship which is when you start which is really nice and now for sage advice all right let's wrap it up sage advice jeffrey Lori, the eagles ownership group what should they do if we all felt uh, how it's the coach's fault, what should they do? Sell the team. Fuck <laughs> off. Why do own a Philadelphia sports franchise? You're going to be the most hated man in the city. I, I don't know. People actually like Lori. Really? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, in that case, <laughs> fire the shit out of Nick Sirianni uh, in the offseason. Unless he makes a playoff run which I don't see happening. No, I, I do see it happening, but not because of him. It won't be him who causes the playoff run. Fire, this isn't so much advice. I don't care if they win the Super Bowl. Fire Sirianni. He might be a great – like, he's going to be a good coach in the MAC. I think. <laughs> he, he needs to be in low-level college football. Um. <laughs> I love that. Um, I hate to kind of agree with Jeeb here, but it does kind of seem like Why do you hate to agree with me. <laughs> I hate to agree with Jeeb here, but it does kind of seem like the coaching staff needs to go. I don't think that it would be um I don't I don't think I would be uh pissing off too many uh Philly fans to say that it seems like it just might not happen with, with Sirianni. 
and then he just doesn't quite have the juice. Um, so it feels early to move on from him. He's had so many good seasons. I don't know if they would end up doing that, but it would it would certainly be a season. <laughs> but it would certainly be a a a big a big ball chips in the middle kind of play. And I think if you go, we like our roster. We like the roster that our our GM put together. Uh, then there's only one place the finger can be pointed. Lori, Lori moves fast too. Never mind. Yes, you. he sure does. He he doesn't hold on to coaches super long. Um, my advice to him would be this: you have a sit down meeting first with Jalen Hurts that says, "Jalen, your godfather's gone. He is never stepping foot in this building again. Brian Johnson is no longer on the coaching staff. Get over it." And make up with your receiver if you and AJ Brown, because there might be a tiff there. Um, two, have a meeting with Nick Sirianni and tell him both your coordinators are fired and most of your staff, like most of your staff's gone. You get one season to bring in a competent staff, or I'm firing you halfway through, no matter the record. And, and you just lay down the law like that. I think Sirianni deserves at least the chance to bring in one more staff. Because he brought in a good one when he first came, he did, and then he lost, and then he kind of unceremoniously got gutted, right? Um, which happens to the best teams, so you have to give it a little leeway with that. But it was pretty inexcusable to bring two rookie coordinators who clearly one was hired because he's buddies with the quarterback. And um, also to your point from earlier, if you are going to, if you're in control of one of the two sides of the ball, then that piece doesn't change, and that doesn't happen with Sirianni. And I really wish he would just take play calling, to be honest with you. So I wish Laurie would just go to Sirianni and be like, take the play calling and be a little more aggressive. Yeah. And then if you're bad at it, you're gone. <laughs> That's where we're at. Howie gets to stay. I do wish Howie valued linebackers more, but his his system has worked more than it has not. So that's the tough part about it. Um, but – I don't know. Maybe maybe use the Kelly Green jerseys a little bit more. We usually <laughs> I think you're only allowed to use them. The owners get to make that decision. <laughs> well, they're the NFL. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, they make all the decisions, don't they? Um, and also next time you see Jerry Jones, can you make sure he's not a reanimated corpse? Like can you tug on his tug on his skin a little bit? Because there's a big theory going around that he's just like an AI robot now. Hmm. I like that theory. Did you see that experience at the Cowboys Stadium you can do? It's like the Jerry Jones lifetime, and you walk into this room, and it's like an AI Jerry Jones that you can talk to. No way. Yeah. It's super creepy. That is hysterical. Like how questions about the team and players and his life. (laughs) Do you think that was his idea? It's like, yeah, people want to know so much about me. that A hundred percent. Who else's idea would it be? I I don't know. I just that's crazy to me. That how so some turn comes so, running, in. guys. I got a great idea. He's gonna he's gonna be the owner forever, long after he's dead. AI Jerry Jones. Who do you think he's willing? <laughs> that's funny. That's a South Park episode where he has really AI version of himself to live on forever. Yeah, well, there's the in in South Park they have the Goodell robot. <laughs> oh really yeah if you guys if you guys haven't seen the uh wa- the episode about uh the washington redskins before they changed their name i think it, i think it's just called go fuck yourself <laughs> and it, it's pretty great uh 
That's pretty good. Talk about bad owners. How about how about uh, Panthers owner? What's his name? Oh, Tepper. He just got fined three hundred thousand dollars. Oh is- man, he's gonna have to dig deep for that one. Cash yeah. in his yeah, it's, savings bonds. It's, it's, it's always it- funny when someone who's good at one thing and they're like, "Well, I must," you know, billionaire guy who uh, who got pretty lucky, and he's like, "Well, it means I must be a football genius too." Unlike <laughs> these, unlike these jocks. I don't get why he's getting so mad. Like, you knew the first year was going to be awful. Yeah, and not only that, dude, you're like a billionaire. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah. care less. And honestly, I don't think that fine's high enough. I think he might keep throwing drinks at fans for 300 Yeah, what? $300,000? That's like, I lose that percentage of my net worth, like, on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, so what else am I mad about? Um, I'm mad about the NFL MVP award is dumb. I think it's just dumb. Lamar bailed everybody out, made it easy. He plays, I mean, he's playing great, but it's just like whatever quarterback's doing well at the end of the year. No, but this is what I'm saying. He earned it at the end, and it would have been great if he didn't, and there was really a reckoning, but unfortunately, he earned it. Yeah. Um, All right, all right. I I feel worse now. I was feeling better, and I thought thinking about it would make me feel better. I feel worse now. That's why you never go to therapy just made me realize how much worse this situation is oh come on you walked into this saying you were done with it oh crippling crippling all the time i'm grateful all the time i'm sexy